Passport to Citizenship, a Range Developments podcast. Welcome to this exciting podcast series which will explore the concept of citizenship by investment and what it actually is and enables. We will be interviewing the leading names in the world of citizenship by investment, luxury travel, real estate and politics and hearing about their story and journey in life as well as their views on citizenship by investment. But who are we? Range Developments is the largest and most successful hospitality developer in the Eastern Caribbean engaged in the citizenship by investment sphere. Our objective is to provide investors with access to exceptional real estate developments under citizenship by investment programmes of the countries that we operate in. Enjoy and remember to rate, review and subscribe. Welcome to Passport to Citizenship, a Range Developments podcast. I'm Lauren and I'm your host for the series and I'm hugely excited uh, for our first launch episode. And there was nobody more fitting for this episode than Mohamed Azaria, founder of Range Developments. Mohamed, welcome. How are you today? Very well, thank you, Lauren. I hope all is well with you. And I'm super excited to launching our podcast series. I know, super excited. We've got some great guests lined up, which I'm uh, very much looking forward to interviewing. First question for you, Mohammed. For the benefit of those who don't know anything about range developments, let's go back to the start. I just want to know a little bit about how did you start out personally and what then led you to form range developments? Um, So, Lauren, a little bit about myself. I was born and brought up in the United Kingdom. Um, I studied as a lawyer at the University of Cambridge, worked in an international law firm for a number of years before relocating to Dubai in around 2005 until 2006. I've been in Dubai since then, so for about 15 years. And my career path in Dubai led me to joining HSBC um, as an investment banker and then working for another local um, investment company um, before starting Range Developments in in 2012. Um, In terms of my family background, my mother was born in Kenya, my father from Uganda, and three generations back from India. So we've had quite a migrant or nomadic past, as you may put it. Um, and if you look at my, my father's lineage, I mean, his family were in Uganda till 1972, um, until Idi Amin um, had a strategy where a number of Asians were, uh, were made to, to, uh, to leave the country. And um, he ended up in the United Kingdom, or his family ended up in the United Kingdom um, on a refugee status. Um, you know, so with that background, it was... Um, it was quite citizenship by investment. If it was a tool which was available then, um, would have had a serious benefit to my father's family uh, at the time. So it's, uh, it's something which is very personal to us. Um, in terms of how I got into this business, well, by pure chance, in 2012, an individual came to see me in, in my office in Dubai, and he was promoting St. Kitts as a second citizenship venue. And it was the first time I came across this concept of citizenship to, of, for investment. Um, and the benefits just immediately struck and resonated with me. At the time, it was a close to a half a million dollar investment that was required to be made in the island of St. Kitts through uh, the acquisition of a piece of real estate, um, which had to be kept, I think, for about five years as the law then was. Um, and that provided you global mobility, ability to travel the world without a visa. Um, but more than that, it provided a comfort blanket to prospective investors. 
because you have to remember in 2012, the area around Dubai could be called a political cauldron at best, with the Arab Spring rumbling in many jurisdictions. Um, so people weren't looking for second citizenship necessarily for global mobility, but their current countries were imploding and they needed another country to be part of. Um, and that's the background from which range development was, was founded. Uh, we were then subsequently invited to participate in citizenship by investment opportunities by the governments of Dominica and Grenada, um, where we're instrumental in refining the relevant country's citizenship by investment law um, and, really, and really putting, uh, putting the relevant country in, in the limelight. Thank you. That's fascinating about your family. Actually, I never knew that and absolutely so apt that your career path has gone where it has gone today. Just for the benefit of those, given this is our launch episode, those people who don't know uh, in very definite terms what citizenship by investment is, could you just quickly define that for me? Citizenship by investment, Lauren, is just that. You're required to make an investment into the country in the amounts prescribed by the relevant laws and regulations. Um, and in return for that investment, you're granted the highest honor that country can bestow upon you, and that is citizenship. Um, certain countries have a requirement of residence before the award of citizenship. The amounts can vary between country, but in the countries in which we operate, there's no need to reside or visit. Um, and the price point is approximately an investment of $220,000 or is an investment of $220,000 in, in one of our resort projects. And it's interesting, actually, because uh, certainly I'd kind of heard of it previously, but I think it's, and we'll talk about this a bit later on, but it's certainly something as a concept that is, is almost being treated by some individuals um, as absolutely a necessity, given you know the current COVID world. So I'm hugely intrigued to see where uh, it will be taken, whether it will be deemed a core asset class alongside real estate, certainly. Just talking about um, how the citizenship by investment uh, is available at the moment through range developments. Obviously, you have two resorts and one sort of in development at the moment. Can you just tell me a little bit about those resorts that, that currently are on the ground slash being developed? Yeah, so Lauren, we opened our first development in 2017. That was the Park Hyatt and some kids. That was open to reviews of Best New Hotel in the Caribbean by Condé Nast and Caribbean Journal. In addition, CNN put that on its hot list, so one of the top 100 hotels in the world in 2018. Very proud of our development um, philosophy and what we were able to achieve with that hotel. Um, the Cabritz Resort and Spa Kempinski opened to similar accolades in 2019. I mean, the Wall Street Journal put it on its bucket list. And this was a monumental time for the island of Dominica because it's the first time that, you know, it had a five-star hotel of such quality. And this has really put a halo on Dominica's tourism industry. Um, we've recently embarked on the Six Senses um, Hotel in Grenada. Six Senses is one of the true resort brands. It was recently acquired by Intercontinental last year, and it's become their, their leading brand of their, uh, their brand portfolio. Um, and we started construction on the hotel in February. We were locked down pretty much immediately. So we got as far as clearing the site and putting in the site roads. We'll be back on site um, in the first week of October. 
And um, we've appointed our structural contractor. The same group has built the Kibritz Resort and Spa for us in, uh, in Dominica, the Kempinski Hotel. Um, the MEP contractor will be appointed in November. Um, and, you know, we're hopeful we can catch up the, the two or three month COVID delay um, and open this hotel before the end of 2022. Um, you know, it's something we pride ourselves on, which is timely delivery of our resorts. And in fact, we are the only developer which has delivered in the Caribbean. No one else has even had the ability to level one hotel, level two, and embarking on its third. Um, and that's because we take an execution-first approach to our projects. You know, this business is not about raising capital through citizenship by investment. The challenge here is the deployment of that capital um, to ensure that you're able to deliver what you promise your investors in a timely fashion and to the quality that you've promised. And I couldn't concur more about your resorts. I mean, they are fantastic. And we're not just sort of talking middle of the road. We're talking high-end luxury. And again, we'll talk a little bit more about them. But they certainly are, from what I've seen and what I understand, resorts that, despite us being in this COVID socially distanced world, actually, when you're there, yes, of course, absolutely precautionary measures are being taken, but you're not entirely aware of them because of the vast size of these resorts. But luxury is, is not in any way impacted. And you mentioned, obviously, about you guys being uh, the only developer in the Caribbean to have done what you've done. And a recent uh, published article you quoted as uh, on your way to developing a hat trick of resorts uh, in the Caribbean and that no other developer has come close, which I just think is testament to you guys. And, and, and it isn't just what I you know love about range developments. It isn't just about, right, let's develop these luxury resorts. There's a very strong corporate social responsibility element, which we will have uh, as a later interview, because that's, for me, what also makes you very unique. It's, it's also about giving back to the local communities and not just when you're developing, actually, for job creation, when these resorts are developed. And I think that's something that, you know, certainly investors should be very much aware of, that when they're getting involved with range development, uh, it's more than just, you know, actually, we've got our benefits. It, it gives back, you know, the whole concept gives back as a, as a company, whether you're developing or not. So, so that's what I really love about you guys. Let's um, now turn to your uh, current sort of inquiry, should we say, amongst potential investors. If you could just tell me a little bit about, uh, since certainly COVID, uh, we've come out of the major lockdown uh, for COVID-19, what's the sort of feeling amongst your inquiries that you're getting? And if you could sort of break that down into the main regions around the world, that'd be very interesting to, to know more. If you look at where we're executing today, it's mainly across the emerging market. And the one caveat to that is that we're seeing a significant uptick in inquiries coming out of the United States. And that's onshore individuals, people living in the United States, to the extent we've just amended all our offering documents to be in compliance with Regulation B. So we're permitted to sell to accredited US onshore investors. Um, and that's just to cater to that demand, which seems to be filtering through us. So on the US side, I think there's a lot of nervousness about the forthcoming election. In addition to the fact, I think COVID has created significant anxieties and the second wave or the second wave of COVID being combined with the winter flu is really causing anxiety with potential 
um, investors and high net worth individuals in the United States. And, you know, what COVID has done is it's really created anxiety across high net worth individuals, whether they're in the United States or other emerging markets, but more pronounced in the emerging markets. And today we're seeing interest coming out of China, Vietnam, Russia, South Africa, the Middle East, the subcontinent, and West Africa. Those are our key feeder markets. And really, I think a number of invest in high net worth emerging market investors are concerned that they could be social, political, or economic headwinds, which are much stronger than are currently being faced in their home market. And that jurisdiction wouldn't work anymore for them or their family. And that's why our current offering in Grenada is almost ideally suited for the high net worth investor in the post-COVID landscape, because it's not just a travel document. It doesn't just give you ability to travel to 140 countries around the world, whether that's the United Kingdom, Russia, China, the Schengen Zone, most of Latin America. I mean, those are massive advantages because after all, today borders are higher than they've ever been. And something is needed by the high net worth individual to travel, to conduct his business affairs. But what is unique and what is special about our offering in Grenada is that it permits you the ability to migrate to the United States through obtaining an E2 visa. And an E2 visa is in essence a business visa. So once you become a citizen of Grenada, you can invest in your own business in the United States. There's no minimum, and we can go into this in details in another session, but that provides you the ability to relocate to the United States within a six to eight week window with your family, which is a pretty massive advantage for a number of people in the emerging markets. Um, so, you know, that is, that is something which is unique to the offering um, by Grenada. And I think another concern of high net worth investors today is that COVID has created significant damage to their home economies and their home states are somehow going to have to pay for the fiscal stimulus or raise the funds required to pay for the fiscal stimulus to attempt to repair their home economy. And I think the worry of all high net worth investors is that will lead to increased capital controls, increased inflation, increased taxes, and potentially even um, decline in their decline in value of their home market currency. So a second passport assists and provides for capital mobility, as well as a shield or a hedge against some of these economic and fiscal headwinds, which a number of people are expecting in the coming few years. Absolutely. I think it's uh, it's a given that everybody's sort of still living in, in this uncertainty, uh, this uncertain world, which I think is going to be the norm. But actually, I think if you are in a financial position where actually you can make changes that uh, can help you in the, the long term, not just the short term, actually now's the time to look at that investment and say, well, actually, this is a long term investment. I don't think 
personally, not meaning to be uh, sort of Mrs. Pessimistic, but I don't think we're going to be in this COVID-free world. I think we're just going to have to adapt. So I think CBI is absolutely going to be uh, a viable option for those that that are certainly not even in the the high net worth individual bracket. I think we'll see more people who actually go, well, do you know what? We would have invested X here or we would have spent this on super luxury holidays. How about we actually diversify our portfolio and look at CBI as a as an investment that we make as a family? Because of course it isn't just for the individual, it's also for the extended family. This morning, I read an article in the Sunday Times newspaper here in the UK that uh, there is a trend where they think uh, people will be taking much longer holiday breaks. You know, we're talking weeks or months on end, as opposed to lots of different travel destinations. Do you think that will kind of go one step further and actually CBI will see people spending chunks of time in different places and perhaps sort of following the COVID curve or not, or following obviously different business patterns? Do you think there's any sort of uh, sense in that that longer term piece or or do you think people will just go do you know what actually let's just keep let's stick to the short-term holidays and, and we'll invest in cbi well look i for one totally concur with you that holidays will get longer um and the number of trips individuals make on an annual basis will decrease um given the potential quarantine on both sides you know whereas the three-day break would have made sense before now, you know, I don't think many people are looking at long weekend holidays, rather two weeks or three weeks somewhere is becoming more of the, more of the norm. Um, and, you know, to cater to that demand and the ability for people to work remotely, um, we have actually for the first time launched or included luxury branded residential units as part of our development um, at the Six Senses Grenada. So right next to the hotel, will be six ultra-luxury, ultra-exclusive, um, super high-end branded residences. They'll be about 5,000 square foot in size. Um, you know, they'll obviously be available for nightly rental or weekly rental and can be put into the hotel pool. But we'll be soon we'll be marketing them to high net worth individual clients. These have a price point of approximately $7 million. Um, and, you know, will be some of the most unique real estate in the Caribbean. They'll be on a bluff, which overlooks the, the hotel and has 270 degree views of, uh, of the ocean. Um, so it will be totally spectacular and it'll be a good place for an individual to camp out the second wave or third wave or fourth wave of COVID because you and me share the same view, Lauren. We are going to be, we are going to be stuck with this, uh, with this wretched disease for more than the short term. Um, and this could be quite an interesting asset for people who have the um, who have the flexibility of working from any location. If there's any free nights going at those residences, please do let me know, Mohammed. They sound fabulous and, and absolutely. I mean, if you are in the situation we can work from anywhere, you know, you could just be chasing that curve, so to speak. And, and why not? You know, frankly, I think it's... Um, it's a, it's a funny old world that we're going to be living in for some time. Just picking up on the Six Senses uh, resort in Grenada, which, as you've mentioned, uh, and as I've mentioned, looks and sounds fabulous. What uh, makes it just super, super special for, for the benefit of our listeners? We've invested a lot of time and effort in the design of the Six Senses in Grenada. Um, and really, it is ideally suited for the luxury traveller in the post-COVID era. So if you look at it, it's comprised of 100 rooms, over 28 acres, 30 swimming pools. There's no high-dense, high-mask buildings. There's no buffet restaurants. 
There's low density seating areas. There's no elevators. There's no corridors. It's not about social distancing. It's about natural distancing. I mean, we're only building on 20% of the, the land area. There's a four acre lake in the middle of the hotel over which the spa will, will, uh, will envelope the perimeter. Um, so it's, it's really low density, and that's what the luxury traveler today is looking for in the post-COVID area, those high-density blocks, um, even if they have the most luxurious fixer and fittings, are not going to be what the luxury traveler is demanding in this day and age. So by fortune, we took this approach, and really that's the approach that we've taken on our other hotels. So if you look at the park hats and kits, we have approximately 130 rooms over 18 acres. The Kempinski and Dominica, we have 160 rooms over 15 acres. So that is really our design philosophy. And that hopefully will pay yield now in this day and age and will result in the financial returns that our investors are expected. No expense has been spared in the design and construction of the hotel. Um, you know, we're, uh, it is our ambition and our vision for the six senses in Grenada to also achieve the same accolades as the Park Hyatt and, uh, and Kempinski in Dominica and uh, achieve our hat trick um, of being able to open the best new hotel in the Caribbean for the third time in a row. And I'm sure it will be. Just quickly, well, what is it about the Caribbean that appeals to you, Mohammed? Why, why have you sort of picked the Caribbean for your uh, three resorts? Is there something in particular that appeals? Well, Lauren, let me throw the question back at you. Look out of your window. What do you see? Uh, well, I actually see a wall at the moment because I live in the UK in, in a, a very boring house. So, I mean, yeah, the Caribbean. I love the Caribbean and uh, I, I know exactly what you're going to uh, suggest. I mean, who wouldn't want to uh, build luxury resorts in the Caribbean? But is there something from an environmental or obviously we know what the, the landscape is, but there has to be something. Because I guess as an aside, is there anywhere else in the world that you would love to uh, work and, and develop other resorts? Oh, let me, let me put it like this. I first went to a luxury resort maybe when I was in my mid-twenties. We went to the island of Mauritius. And that really gave me inspiration that, you know, one day I wanted to build something like this. Um, and when I came across citizenship by investment in some kids, and God, you know, has blessed some kids and all the Caribbean islands with sun and sand, um, it made sense to fuse citizenship by investment with the development of hotels because that's utilizing the natural resources which God has blessed the Caribbean with. Um, and for the islands, this not only creates an influx of investment, but creates significant job creation and direct and indirect economic impact um, to the to, to the wider economy. Um, so really, that that was kind of the whole philosophy about how we fused resort development with citizenship and why the Caribbean. I mean, these programs in the Caribbean have, going, have been going on since 1983. St. Kitts was actually the first island or first country in the world to conceptualize citizenship by investment. But really, I'm not trying to blow our own trumpet until range entered the scene, very little of value had been developed um, through the Citizenship by Investment Program, and that's widely acknowledged um, through all industry circles. 
Um, so that's really what drew us to the Caribbean. The Caribbean has an exceptional environment, has an exceptional landscape, um, and that's something we work very closely with to protect in our development. If you look at our designs, our hotels blend seamlessly um, into the natural landscape, and if you look at our hotels from the sea, um, you know, it's almost like they're camouflaged into the hillside. Um, they blend so perfectly. Uh, and that's not by accident, but you know, a lot of investment goes in to achieve that careful balance. Well, I'm certainly sold. It's just the, uh, the matter of the investment that I will uh, be needing some help with if anybody wants to volunteer. Um, it's been absolutely fascinating speaking to you, Mohammed, and I've certainly learned something, although I already work with you. Um, just to finish on, and we ask all of our guests the same question, is there something that you wish you'd have known 10 years ago that you now know? We're learning every day, okay? And I think there's lots of things I wish I'd known 10 years ago, but the journey wouldn't have been any fun at all if I'd known all of it. So every challenge we have to make into an opportunity. We just have to make sure it doesn't stress us too much. There's no point living life with regrets, but so we can't because we can't change it. And we all make mistakes. And at the end of the day, Lauren, we just have to make sure that we only make that same mistake once. Um, and that's the, way, that's the way we can all learn and improve. Absolutely. Failure is just when you uh, fail to learn. And I think it's very, very humble of you. And it's been fascinating speaking to you. Thank you once again, Mohammed, And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to our first launch episode. Please do remember to rate, review and subscribe. And we will speak to you very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you, Laura.